Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we do with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is about bureaucracy. We'll be talking about church bureaucracy and bureaucracy in general, and an expert on the topic, both in theory and practice, is Bishop Richard Umbers. Welcome, Bishop. Thank you. Yes, I have to say, we're... we're should have a trauma warning or something like that. Because it's... <laughs> a trigger warning. A trigger warning for those in bureaucracy or those affected by it. I, I was once taken aside by a friend when I was um, complaining about various meetings I had to go to, and he said, just think, every time you go to a meeting, that's at least 10 years off purgatory. Well, no, well actually, you, you may not get out of it via purgatory <laughs> because when when we gather to meet uh, at the cathedral house there's all these portraits of previous archbishops and it means they're forced to attend all these meetings <laughs> they never escape it's, it's like a doctor who episode right well i mean there's a certain degree to which meetings are necessary because we don't have perfect meetings of mind and we don't understand each other's intentions and and planning and we each have different talents so somehow these things have got to work in some way and, and what what have meetings got to do with that <laughs> in theory i mean i personally would prefer uh, you know everyone would prefer a benevolent dictatorship i think um it's just that they think i mean to but, quote but benign benign neglect <laughs> well, to quote uh, Dr. Horrible from that um, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog show, uh, the world's a mess and I just need to rule it. Um, <laughs> so well, there's actually, there's something to be said. So I've, I've trained as an economist and, right. and one of the options that, that an economist will take, which drives everybody else insane, uh, and, and if I illustrate with a story, I was once with an engineer and an accountant. It, it sounds like a joke. And the, the engineer <laughs> was saying, this is the solution. This will solve this problem. And the accountant was saying, yeah, but which option is cheapest? And this was going on for about half an hour. And at the end of it, they suddenly, you know, they exhausted themselves. And I spoke and said, do we really need to be doing this at all? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this, um, Bishop, but I, I actually studied a year of engineering and I got sick of math after one year and left. But I have to say that even engineers get caught up in committees, which must be very frustrating to them. There's a video on the internet with, uh, it's called The Expert, where everyone's trying to get the expert to draw, you know, parallel lines that intersect and all these crazy things they don't understand. And engineers quite often draw up plans, which then builders look at and go, it's obviously not drawn by a builder. And then, <laughs> Well, most, most engineers that I know end up doing in, in management because I actually studied management, but it's the engineers who actually get the jobs. So <laughs> they, they, they seem to how to get things done. Right. But, but, but committees, bureaucracy, it is our default position. I mean, it, 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 the world in which we live that's how we organize ourselves it, 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 because as soon as you start to try to tackle a problem straight away well we're going to have a steering group and then there's going to be you know a working group and that's you quite naturally fall into these patterns uh there's a book i read which i loved called the utopia of rules uh the, the secret joys of bureaucracy uh, <laughs> and, and one of the points that it makes is for so even going back in history is that you know the mongols took over the known world, you know, greater extent than the Roman Empire. Incredible. No one could beat them. You know, they had the technology. They could shoot arrows on horseback, riding backwards and all the rest. But who collected the taxes? The Han bureaucrats. Right. So who really won? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can achieve a lot with brilliance, but you can't maintain it. 
And it always makes me laugh when I see people talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. I take them back to the Bible text, which lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts is administration. But I've never had seen anybody throw their arms in the air and say, I have the gift of administration, <laughs> except that the whole church relies on there being some kind of organization. If we're all going to show up at one time in one place, if we're going to have you know organize ourselves to build buildings and 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 respond to needs, then we need to be organized in some fashion. But not like the Tower of Babel. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not to build a tower to, to rival God. In fact, that's a very interesting point. Um, the point of the power, the story of the Tower of Babel is that they tried by their administration, by their joint efforts, to replace God, to, to see themselves as God. And I remember sitting in a, a Lutheran committee once uh, where they were trying to decide how to respond to a theological question. And I said, well, we, this committee can't change this. This is about truth. And basically, they said, with a two-thirds majority, these words were actually uttered, with a two-thirds majority, we can change anything. And I said, so what if we decide there's four in the Trinity? And they said, yeah, according to the rules, two-thirds majority. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Well, then that was when I realized I had to be Catholic. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always there are certain principles, certain dogmas, certain givens. I mean, in philosophy as well, you know, there's, there's no ground zero. There's no sort of ultimate starting point. I mean, from an Aristotelian perspective, you could say we begin with the senses and then from there you you, you abstract knowledge. But there's always a given. Mm. You, you can't, it's a, the, the rationalist project of, of of having, you know, these these principles from which, you know, all hold clear, be it Descartes or Kant or whoever, doesn't, doesn't work that way. There is a certain amount of, um, I mean, let's talk about the positive side of things, uh, or at least the theory of the positive side of things. We don't want to present ourselves as if we're just a dictatorship where one will basically smashes everybody else's will. Even in our canon law, the bishop is required to consult. You know, there's there's a consultative process. There's a, a collegial approach to things within bishops' conferences. There's a whole bunch of things which are expressions of our our what we believe about community, about how the apostolic ministry works. Uh, it's the practice of it because we're limited you know, flawed, sinful beings, that the practice of it that gets us down. And But the alternative is either, uh, you know, some sort of radical dictatorship or absolute chaos. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so the whole area of synodality, co-responsibility, words that, that are banded around. But to see it exercised, that's, that's really where virtue is required, as in all walks of life. And I, I think that what gets in the way is a certain pettiness, uh, a search for status, um, a, a desire to to be totally focused on the optics and and, and jettison anything of substance. And, and that's where we have, uh, I think, the, the cause of our ills. Uh, it's not the system as such. I think that I have seen, for instance, in, in uh, one particular diocese, they have a diocesan pastoral council. I had dinner with them. Great, great meeting. Um, I couldn't believe it. The bishop was refreshed after the meeting. Now that go figure, <laughs> but they were actually working towards solving problems and bringing beauty to the diocese, supporting the priests. Um, these are the things they were talking about, and they actually got somewhere. You know, <laughs> it can't happen. It requires a start, a common starting point, though. And I think too often what we do is we try and solve things by putting people who have fundamentally opposed. Uh, ideologies and goals in the same room and expect them to come up with some kind of harmony when in fact the harmony we need to take a lot of steps backwards to actually get to the point where we we agree on something 
Well, well, otherwise you just end up with Stalinism. Yeah, you know, and, and it becomes the the the, the ten year plan that that everyone has to make a big you know hoot and holler around. But but in fact, you know, it's there's just absolute extreme cynicism by the organisers. I think there's a certain injustice in this, and there's a comedian David Mitchell who points this out. So I'm not claiming to be original on this, but he pointed out there's a there's an injustice involved in putting people in a room and subjecting them to hours of meetings when in fact the expectation is and everyone knows it in the room that we're all going to agree on what the most powerful person in the room wants us to agree on and we all have to kind of nod our heads and agree with that person because our jobs are dependent on I'm not talking about the church here but I'm talking about in you know corporate and bureaucratic settings I've been in everyone has to agree but the tragedy of that is not that our boss tells us what to do that's normal that's a part of an organization the tragedy is we have to pretend <laughs> that it was our idea in the first place that it, that we agreed with it and it robs us of and well he he makes the point it robs us of the ability to say i told you so when it all goes you know bottom up but it also robs us of a certain indignity because the point of a committee surely at least in theory is that the contribution comes the unique from the unique individuals in the room yeah well but see that's 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 the the, the problem of ideal versus praxis and where you have uh, a, a culture in which we reward the narcissists. Okay, can you expand that a little more? Such that, see how I can say that. But where, 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 who, who's, who's that person who's in the room? That's you know the the most powerful one, you know, leading the process. Well, if it's someone who has virtue and is actually interested in co-responsibility and what people have to say and taking that on board and can bring people with. He himself or herself. Um, that is a you know all the all the governance material speaks about you know how good that is and it's to the benefit <laughs> of others and you know the, the the world's a big rainbow. But un- unfortunately, it, it, you know there's there's too much of of a, of a well. Hang on, you know <laughs> how does this reflect upon my greater glory? Yeah, or, or it could be just pragmatic. I mean, the, the person's a hard hard working person. They've got a lot of time a lot of things to do in a short amount of time what they want is to get this past the committee stage so they can get on with doing it and, and that but that speaks to a certain cynicism and, and i think our society is marked by cheap skepticism right so we've we've lost point of the truth that that happens in our university system it happens across the board you know it, it, where there is a bureaucratization of 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 uh, what we're, we're striving for and in, in the end the process becomes everything and and you just laugh at any kind of outcome or goal or as if that means anything. And that's all of us. It is. It's all of us in the sense that I've got to get through these hoops. It's almost as if, like say with the sacraments, the sacraments are freely given. Right. Freely given. That's the whole point. And then, so that, that idea of grace is a scandal in our society because we expect to have to do things to achieve. Right. And, and, And it's almost, we do that with our sacramental programs. You know, we force you to attend certain things. You say, there must be hoops for me to jump through. I must sign a few things. I've got to attend some stuff. Otherwise, you know, what was the point of all of that? You know, God freely giving himself to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why is he giving it giving it away? What's wrong with it? The Coming back to the, the processes, though, when I've been in corporate situations and it's very clear that we're all required to agree with the boss, that, in fact, sometimes the sentences offered, uh, uttered you know, we ask, are we going to be consulted on this? And that, yes, when we've made the decision, we will consult you, <laughs> which means tell you. <laughs> now, 
it might be a little more honest if we just had people just telling us what the boss wants us to do rather than go through the torturous yeah, yeah, process. Yeah, but there's the whole, the whole theatre aspect to this. Right. Is it to do with um, avoiding responsibility? So, for example, if um, the boss, whoever they are, has made the call, then they have the privilege of making the call. That's fair enough. But they also end up wearing it if it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, well, there's certainly, I mean, look, the, the, the one who has ultimate responsibility is the, the head cheese. Uh, and, and then, and those who those who who actually contribute towards that. So there is a problem of delegation to committees, where you delegate. You know, you have the the you have the power, but you delegate the the responsibility, so to speak. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of like an ideal situation, where I get things my way. But if it you know, if, if it, I take the praise if it's if it goes well, if it goes badly, well, it's diffused. Yeah, someone else gets the blame, and I mean, government are very good at this. They they hand things off to committee and until they get the result they want and then wave that around as if it's not really there. Um, they're, they're doing Out of it. my hands. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's for the committee's advice, etc. But, but that, I, I, would, I would argue, though, that in terms of theatre, I don't know how successful the strategy is because we're all informed and we all know what's going on. So in the end, have you really hoodwinked? You know, it, it, there's a certain element to this uh, and perhaps with a long-standing tradition of ways you know the art and craft of of uh of, of governing according to machiavelli yeah but everyone you know there's there's a, enough yes minister out there for us to all realize how things actually work uh, i was um involved in the plenary process uh, one of the earlier stages of the, the committees um and i have to say that there were a number of obvious cases in my in my opinion, where people came with an open mind and they actually, they, I'm not sure they changed their mind a lot, but what they did was actually learn and listen to other people and they, they did learn something in the process. Um, and it, I think we those among us who did that um, grew quite a lot in the process just by listening to others and actually understanding what was going on. I didn't expect that because it, it hasn't been a part of committee processes for me in the corporate sector, but in the church sector, if you've got your ears open, you do tend to hear slightly more interesting views because <laughs> people are more invested for ideological reasons. Well, if we live, but again, if we if we live virtue, if even if we live, um, even if, especially when uh, we we live as Christians, and, and that's what it comes down to. When you live a Christian lifestyle, there is charity, there is understanding, there's respect. Well, in that kind of an environment, you, you we, everyone learns, and 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 there's you know even though there are differences, you you will you will get somewhere. So if you engage, say, in a in a public forum, uh, in a virtuous way, and you meet up with other people who disagree with you, but they also ex ex exhibit certain intellectual virtues, it, it is to mutual benefit. Absolutely, right. there is there is genuine dialogue. Well, let's let's come back to where the rubber hits the road, though. We, we, we're working. Um, I don't work for the diocese, just to be, to be clear, although this podcast is very definitely hosted by the Diocese of Sydney and you are an auxiliary bishop of this, the diocese, but we've both sat in committees. We've both dealt with various you know, levels of bureaucracy around the place and it can have a good and a bad um, you know, effect like all things. But I think your point earlier was that it depends on the person and depends on their, their personal virtues and that's always going to be the case. It depends who you've got there. However, what, what would your advice be when an individual is frustrated, particularly young people do this, they come in with all the fire and all the, all the you know, urgency to get things done, and then they come up with the necessary machinery of the diocese, 
sorry, they come up against the, the necessary machinery of the diocese, and they sometimes have an initial frustration at, at the lack of progress then from their perspective. What would your advice be to them? Humility. Right. Uh, now, now you are starting to learn. <laughs> that it's not just you deciding how the world's going to get fixed and let's all go along with my plan. You actually have to, as you said, synodality. You have to walk together. That's literally what synodality means, by the way, to walk together or the, the path together. I, I think what, what occasionally, you know, you can find ways which, uh, you know, like a virtuous person will, will, you know, will be presented with a, a supposed dilemma but find a, a quite unique solution, right? Um, that that wasn't part, you know, wasn't wasn't offered up. Yeah. So in some cases, we we allow ourselves to be restricted to the um, bureaucratic process because we we don't want to do anything outside of it. But in fact, often I find this that when people sit around blaming bishops for not doing something, or or archdiocesan bureaucracies for not doing something, most of the time. They could actually deal with it if they just come up their butt and actually did something. You wouldn't have to worry about that stuff. In fact, there are some quite serious matters that we're addressing in the diocesan plan, which aren't about bureaucracy. They're about ordinary, good, salt of the earth people just getting on with getting on in their parish. Well, and, and that's the thing. I think it's knowing you're, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And so between subsidiarity and solidarity, uh, the archdiocese, as an example, because I'm, I'm an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese, is there to prov- to provide a framework or a support for the parish. And so these are always in the service of. Now, in practice, you have to look at, 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 at problems where, for instance, we start creating work for the priest rather than providing support for the priest. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's a and, and that's a challenge, or well, for parishioners. So there's, there's, there's the challenge, and that that's part of good administration is where we ta- when those problems arise, how we how we tackle those to to genuinely be of support. Because I mean, there's there compliance is a reality, and it is complicated. Yeah, uh, and, and you really do need the help of of other people. Now, to give you an example, the running you know a parish will have different properties. Uh, they provide necessary income for them to be able to employ staff to to help spread the word and to to look after the sacraments. But being landlord is not something that every priest has been trained to do, and so they will rely upon the help of people who've who've got you know more expertise in that area. And that's where the diocese can be of, of tremendous help in, in providing support and doing the the landlord business yeah. uh, on behalf of the parish. And also, I mean. Uh, take this podcast, for example. Um, it's possible for anyone in any place with a microphone and the internet to start a podcast, but to have uh, someone as skilled as uh, Mike Lynch, who's our producer, and the Michael Kenny, who gives us excellent reviews and helps us enhance e- uh, the podcast in general, and all of the other administrative staff who contribute in various ways to the publication of the podcast, they, you know, it means that we get a better result in the end. There's also your own podcast, Bishop. Which, which we can give a spruik for right now. That's right, the Episcopal podcast, which is not not of the Anglican Church, <laughs> uh, even though in England they're going through this um, the, the myriad program. We you know ten thousand new churches, let a thousand you know flowers bloom, and great ten mm. year program, etc. I know the clergy are very upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I I grew up in a very very small evangelical community, and I've skipped around various churches before becoming um, Lutheran, and then finally, thirteen years later, Catholic. But I have to say, this romance that people have with smaller house church 
things because they think it will do away with bureaucracy and stop the big church getting in the way. All it does is bring it down to a minute level, the same level of politics and silliness that human beings have when they're trying to make something work. Which was that that that, that infamous um, pod of, of uh, Zoom conference, which at the start of this year, that council in, yes. in England. What was the council called? It was just oh. hilarious, almost painful to watch because of the um, the craziness. Read the standing orders and understand <laughs> them. You have no power here. Oh, uh, anyway, Jackie Weaver. Let, let's come back. Let's come back to the core of this. The core of this is virtue, as you said. If you have a virtuous person involved in the process, their virtue transforms it into something useful and good. And that virtue comes from the grace of God, and it comes from being constantly... I think your point about humility is a, is well made. The virtue of humility first, the virtue of prudence, you know, comes closely after that. But basically, loving people, even when they're obnoxious or or good or pedantic or they simply happen to be heading in a different direction than what you'd like this is the point of the process and that well i i think what you know when it comes to formation for committees for sitting on a committee i think one important point i don't know how we would we'd maybe set up a a committee to look at the formation for people who are on <laughs> committees maybe they could come out of the citadality process but it would be helping people to realize they're not the smartest person in the room right because that that that's what kills everything mm. And if they think they're the smartest person in the room, often they're not. <laughs> also, we have something to learn from everyone in the room. I've, I've often learned the best lessons that I've learned from the person I least expected it. Because they quietly wise in the corner and actually listen to people and come up with some very astute observations, which I should have been listening to all along, and finally realise that I was the silliest person in the room, in fact. Well, a good chair, a good chair will actually draw that out from from different participants. Hmm. Yeah, well, I have to say, we had um, Shirley, a, an Indigenous uh, representative from Broome, in, on the committee that I was on, and I learned so much just trying to get her to talk. Um, and she was so humble and so beautiful in her own charity that she taught everything she uttered was gold, just gold. And she was the least forceful, the least pushy of the whole of the committee, but the absolute best to have on. Delighted to have had her on. Anyway, we should wrap this up because uh, there are some good rules and one of them is that we don't go too long. So <laughs> perhaps if, if you have any other pearls of wisdom to offer about committees, Bishop. <laughs> it ain't going away. <laughs> so learn to live with it, learn to make love, it flourish. <laughs> how I learned to love the committee. Oh, dear. There you go. It was interesting. Uh, it'd be great to do a like a comedy skit with uh, Jesus and the disciples in committee. Of some kind. Oh, well, I, I, I see. I sometimes wonder about the fullness of time. You know, that was actually two thousand years ago. Because I don't know how things would go today. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. If today's discussion got you groaning about committees or discussing this or arguing with us, if you've got a way, a perfect way to deal with committees and a bureaucracy. You can let us know at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Check out the show notes for links that are relevant to our um, helpful places in the diocese. Also, join us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.